You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. Thanks for listening to the show this morning. Uh, it promises to be a very interesting and engaging program. This is WNDZ AM 750. And if you wish to uh, call with a question for one of our guests, the number is 312-255-8408. Let me go over the lineup real fast uh, this morning. And uh, to review the topics, we'll discover a lot about the election, a lot about politics and what happened, uh, especially with the Catholic vote and with the amount of money spent on the last election that just concluded. Uh, it seems like it's still going. Um, at the kickoff, uh, the beginning of the, the show, uh, we'll have uh, an assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. His name is Ryan Burge. Talk a little bit about the Catholic vote and how it went and, and perhaps why. Uh, then after that, we're going to talk to a uh, professor emeritus of political science at the University of Illinois Springfield. His name is Kent Redfield. And he's going to talk to us a little bit about the money spent, especially on the ballot initiative that uh, on the fair tax, progressive tax issue that uh, failed to pass and and how much money was spent and where it went. Um, Also talk a little bit about the retention issue on the uh, Justice Kilbride uh, question and how much money was spent there and where it went. Then we're going to switch gears uh, at 8.30, 8.35 or so. We're going to talk to a person who I've known for years. Uh, His name is David Spitansky. He, uh, I got to know Dave when he was, um, I'm not sure what his title was. He was the right-hand man for uh, uh, Bishop Gregory at the time when he was in the Belleville Diocese. Uh, followed him to Atlanta, and uh, I don't think he made the transition to Washington, D.C. But anyway, Dave is going to be on the line with us to talk a little bit about his experience working for um, Bishop Gregory when they were together uh, down in Springfield and in Atlanta. And then we'll wrap up the show at about 8.50 or so, and we'll talk uh, to Father Mike Meany. Um, There's a very interesting story in the Chicago Catholic this past uh, month, and it had to do with his uncle, uh, a priest who served as a chaplain in World War II. And we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the online photo exhibits that he has put together to honor uh, his late uncle, who was a priest as well uh, in Chicago. A very interesting uh, story that was in the paper. So let's do this. Um, without further ado, let's just jump right into our first topic today. Uh, with us on the phone, we have uh, Ryan Burge uh, from Eastern Illinois University, who has written and studied a little bit about uh, how Catholics voted in the last election. Uh, Professor Burge, are you with us? Yes, good morning. Good morning. Hey, thanks for taking some time this morning. So you're at Eastern Illinois, correct? Correct, yeah. In, in oh gosh, refresh my Charleston, right? Charleston, that's right. Just I knew that. The champagne. <laughs> I knew that one. Uh, yep. Anyway, uh, thanks for taking some time to talk a little bit about your work. Um, tell us, you know, I- I've read different 
stories, and I've received different information about how Catholics voted this past election. And I think most of your work has looked at the president's, uh, the presidential vote. Tell us, how did Catholics vote as related to uh, the presidential election? Because we've heard different stories and there's different data out there. Yeah, so there's really a fog right now. I mean, there's a lot of conflicting stories and narratives and exit polls. And I will say, first and foremost, we need to be very careful of our exit polling, okay, because exit polling has never been that good. It's always, you know, it gets better as the, you know, as we can weight it against the election. But this year has been really bad because of so many mail-in votes. And mm-hmm. you obviously can't exit poll someone who doesn't actually exit a poll on election day. So, um, but there seems to be some sort of narrative emerging from the vote cast data, which is the Associated Press's data, which is probably the best data we have, which shows that white Catholics were seven points less for Trump in 2020 than they were for Trump in 2016. Um, they, I've seen data from 66 percent of white uh, Catholics voted for Trump in 2016, and that was 59 percent in 2020. So a seven point drop is pretty significant when you consider the size of white Catholics you know, in the general electorate. And keep keep going a little further. So you, you think there was a seven-point drive of white Catholics and, and Hispanic. Does it break down to other demographics as well? Yeah, so there was some slippage amongst Hispanics. We know that there are certain areas in which Hispanics really did not support Joe Biden in the way they supported Hillary Clinton four years ago. For instance, in places like South Florida, Miami-Dade County, yeah. which has a lot of um, Cubans, a lot of Catholics in that area, they were 29%. Or 20, Hillary Clinton won Miami Dade by 29 points in 2016. Biden only won it by nine points this mm-hmm. time. So, you know, there's some evidence there that there's some slippage amongst your, you know, your Cuban, Hispanic Catholics. And that might be, you know, really the difference in Florida because it's a very close state. So we do, and we're really, you know, in the early days of trying to figure out what in the world happened and why yeah. Joe Biden is not loved by Catholics as much um, on Hispanic Catholics as Hillary Clinton was four years ago. But so is it safe to say overall that the president did win the Catholic vote? I, I thought I'd read it. Was, I think this this particular date, it was like 50-49. I mean, I don't know if that's reliable yet, but is it is that safe to say yet or is that still being? Yeah, I think that's safe to say it was probably fifty two forty eight or fifty fifty. But again, we're not going to know for a couple of months exactly what the figure is. But it definitely Trump won by a smaller margin amongst Catholics this time than he won four years ago. Right. And, you know, that that might be the difference in a very close election, which seems like every presidential election is very close nowadays. Yeah, it sure does. Um, so going back to, you know, this is always the question in my world. Um, and I and I think I probably know the answer to this already is. It seems that when you say Catholics, that's kind of like saying almost everybody. Is there a difference between or do you know the difference between those Catholics that uh, proclaim to be mass attending Catholics as opposed to just any Catholic? Because I think those numbers switch a little bit when you when you look at those that attend mass on a regular basis. Sure. So white Catholics, in my mind, are sort of a less conservative version of white evangelicals. Mm -hmm. But. If you compare really high-attending white Catholics to high-attending white evangelicals, the differences between the the groups get a lot smaller. And so, you know, your white Catholics who attend Mass once a week or more tend to be almost as conservative and as Republican as your white evangelicals. So they're definitely – so for white evangelicals, attendance doesn't drive up the Republican affiliation that much. But for white Catholics, it drives it up a lot more. So being, you know, very uh, observant white Catholic makes you very uh, much more Republican than attending church for a lot more for a, a white evangelical, let's say. Yeah, yeah. W- with some assumptions, you're gonna you can draw. Will they actually poll that question? Will they will they de- delved further down into that yet, or or you think that that's where the analysis will end? 
No. So when we get the real, the real good data, the one that I use is it comes out in March or April and it's been weighted. It's been voter verified and they ask questions about church attendance. So that's really when we can start seeing these, you know, these really minute differences and the size of those data sets is 50, 60, 70,000 people. So we can really kind of dive into, you know, men versus women, white versus non-white attending weekly versus attending never right now. We we got just one cut at the data and it's really crude. So we're really kind of guessing, educated guessing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be really happy when that data comes out. (laughs) That's that's the happiest two weeks of my life when all that data drops. I can just start cranking out analysis and and really get under, but for me, it's good because I get to understand the story of the religious vote. So, you know, it helps me and it helps the community. So I just love all that. Yeah. I, I'm sure. Yeah, I can tell that you're the, the tone in your voice. You're kind of all geeked up about that. Stuff. <laughs> hey, sure. you know, no, different absolutely. strokes, right? Um, yeah. So, is there any? Um, you know, let's do this. Um, it's we got till uh, about uh, twenty after, and they're bugging me. Let's take a. This is probably a good uh, segue. Let's take a quick break now. Uh, we'll come back, and I'll continue the conversation with you about uh, the polling data and what it shows um, in terms of how Catholics voted. We're talking uh, with Ryan Burge, uh, assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University. Don't go away. We'll be right back. nation in our world, people of all faiths have recently been joining fervently in all kinds of prayer. They have found that coming together in prayer is a source of comfort and strength. In this spirit of unity, the Archdiocese of Chicago has introduced a call to prayer, a telephone line dedicated to prayer. If you would like to join with another person in prayer, call 312-741-3388. This line is staffed from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily with parishioners from across the Archdiocese of Chicago. These volunteers are here to listen to you, offer support, and pray with you. A call to prayer includes a 24-hour voicemail and email options as well. Experience this wonderful opportunity to join with people just like you who trust in the power of prayer. That phone number again is 312-741-3388. Let's pray together today. When you think of the word neighbor, warm and friendly thoughts come to mind. Think of smiles across the yard, positive wishes, and looking out for one another on an ongoing basis. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund inspires all of these and much more. We've seen an unprecedented number of requests for assistance this year from people who have never needed help before. When you make your gift to the Neighbors in Need Fund, you are igniting hope in the lives of your most vulnerable neighbors, especially individuals and families who continue to struggle to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Your gift will give them the resources they need to overcome the unexpected, very serious circumstances in which they find themselves now. Give online at catholiccharities.net or call 312-948-6087. That's 312-948-6087. Catholic Charities Neighbors in Need Fund. Thank you for helping build a world of kindness, one neighbor to another. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. A uh, very interesting conversation this morning with Ryan Burge, uh, talking a little bit about 
the data and how Catholics voted in terms of the presidential election, talking before uh, the break about uh, the president, well, winning, but a very, very small margin of the Catholic vote. Um, Ryan, is there um, is there you may not question poll this question yet or know the answer to it, but is there any message in particular that you think appeals to Catholics as opposed to people in the the general population, or is it is the tr- is the truth that the messages are pretty much the same no matter whether you're Catholic or not? I think that's a good question. I think that you know the one thing that seems to be emerging from the data is that that Donald Trump was a was a strong choice for Catholics. In 2016, but things that have happened in the last four years have really soured them on Donald Trump, which sort of tells you, I think, a lot about the Catholic vote, which is it's more of a swing vote. It's not so you know yeah. strongly aligned with one party or another like your white evangelicals are or let's say your black Protestants are, right? So really the candidate matters a lot for the Catholic vote, and I think Donald Trump, you know, by his actions and by the coronavirus and by you know the impeachment and everything else, it does seem like that he, you know, he lost five, six, seven percent of white Catholics especially – and, you know, what we talked about, in an election where things are so close, 5 mm-hmm. or 6% of white Catholics, which are 20% of the population, by the way, if you lose 5% of that, you're losing a point, point and a half. And, and remember, the states that mattered a lot this time around were Rust Belt states, like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. And those are states that have large contingents of white Catholics, between 20 and 25% of each of those states is white Catholics. So, you know, if you lose 8% of 20%, that's a point and a half. Yeah. You lose a point and a half, that's enough to lose all three of those states and not get you a second term. So, you know, I think that Catholics are really, truly one of the swing religious groups in American life today, and one that's large enough that can actually have, you know, national implications on the outcome of the race. And that could be why I know there was a lot of money spent on Catholic outreach. Um, I, I <laughs> hey, being the position I'm in, I get most of it. Um, but I, I probably— Maybe it's just me, but I got I think I received more information from the Trump folks um, than I did from the Biden people. But I probably wasn't in the target for the for the Biden people in in that because of my job and some of the interactions we've had with the administration, I was just bombarded with information from the Trump campaign. Yeah. So what a lot of people don't realize is, is these campaigns are doing internal polling all the time. They're just churning, churning, churning all kinds of data mm-hmm. to try to figure out how to target. Right. So they were probably polling on religious groups consistently all the way back to, let's say, March or April, as soon as Biden became, you know, sort of the, the nominee. And they probably saw some softness amongst white Catholics, especially. Sure. And so they started targeting to those specific groups because they realized that Trump can't win unless he gets back to that level of support he had four years ago. So what you really see with things, and they also micro-target, like you just talked about. They say, okay, we're losing with white Catholics, but where are we losing for 2016? Is it those who have higher levels of education, higher levels of income, or lower levels? Is it certain regions? Is it certain you know, racial groups? Is it men versus women? And they have you know, detailed voter files on everybody in the country, so they can send you know, postcards and leaflets and everything to groups they think have defected from four years ago. And it does seem like the Trump campaign was pretty convinced that it was losing ground with white Catholics and did dump a m- bunch of money into mailers and outreach to white Catholics. But also, I don't think it was that successful at the end of the day, because mm. we saw those numbers slip and slip and slip and never really come back the way that Trump needs them to come back for him to win. Do you think things like Mr. Biden walking around with rosaries, and I hear that people talk about that a lot, is that effective? I think at the margins it is. I so think it when is I too. think about the Catholic, yeah. So when I think about the Catholic vote, um, I think there's a push and a pull factor. Okay, I think that Donald Trump pushed some moderate Catholics away, you know, by his behavior, by some of his policies, by the impeachment, by the coronavirus, by you know all these little things. Sort of, he became what we were all sort of worried about, and he pushed some 
you know, more moderate Catholics away. But I think the other side was the Democrats really nominated the best candidate to draw in a lot of those disaffected white Catholics, you know, because Joe Biden is a white Catholic and he speaks, you know, sort of authentically and genuinely about his faith. I mean, he goes to mass. He's not just putting on a you know pandering voice to try to win back these kind of groups. And I think that he was a safe choice for a lot of these Catholics in the Rust Belt, you know, you know, Scranton Joe and Blue Collar Joe, like that kind of language actually mattered. And it was it's just really hard to dislike Joe Biden like it was to dislike Hillary Clinton four years ago. So, you know, I think Trump pushed some of them away. But then Biden was just a guy who was, it was easy to vote for Joe Biden. It was much easier to vote for Joe Biden than it was for Hillary Clinton four years ago. And I think those two factors together are really the reason why those five, six, seven percent of Catholics peeled off this time and went for Biden and went for Trump in 2016. And it's interesting, too, to see that, you know, amongst that 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 voter, it it. it I'm going to conclude that the, the life position and religious liberty position and the school choice position, they they discounted that in favor of of Mr. Biden's personality. And, and he was not the things that that Mr. Trump is. Yeah, I think it's, it's a luxury to vote for social issues um, when things are good. Yeah. You know, whenever whenever you don't have a good job point. and coronavirus is raging, your kids aren't going to school and you're struggling with all these issues, you're not so worried about things like religious liberty anymore. You're worried about things like, can I eat? You know, yeah. can I pay the bills? Yeah. And I think that I think really Corona is what hurt Trump the worst in that specific regard, the way he handled it, the way he sort of gave it away to other people, you know, the way he didn't embrace, you know, the, the, the lockdowns or, or really any mitigation. And I think that's where we saw. A, a decent chunk of Catholics say, no, 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 we got to try something else because we can't keep doing what we're doing. And listen, like we talked about, you lose 1%, that's, that's, right. that's the whole election. It's you know, close. it doesn't take a whole lot. So, does, um, I guess this is my final question. Um, does, does the Pope matter? I mean, it's, it does seem like there was a little bit of an uh, embracing there of, 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 of the Pope. Does, does the Pope have any influence on, on this, do you think? I think that the Pope has some influence in sort of a, you know, an outside adjacent way. And mm-hmm. I think your, your, your weekly mass attending Catholics do you know, pay a lot more attention to what the Pope says and what the Pope does and his positioning and messaging than, mm-hmm. than Catholics who don't go as much. But I also think it's clear that the Pope has not endorsed Donald Trump, I mean, in, in various ways. Right. He has made some con- – yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, right. So he's, he's kind of undercut the Trump message, and he also sort of you know, somewhat embraced civil unions a couple weeks ago. So you know, I think there was definitely a move from the pope to move the Catholics back to the middle. I know he has to be an international pope, obviously, for every country. But America, American Catholics matter a lot in the grand scheme of things. So I do think that you know, there's just this, this feeling you get with Pope Francis that I think was different than prior popes, especially on issues of politics. And I think it it did give some Catholics in America license to maybe not vote for the pro-life candidate, maybe vote for the candidate that, that they favor on other types of issues, like economic issues, which Francis does talk about a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to look in the data and find that direct connection, but it does seem like there's sort of a shadow there of Pope Francis in the, in the white Catholic vote especially, and we did see those white Catholics defect just enough. So, I mean, we'll, we'll be t- you know, pulling all this apart over the next you know, weeks and months and years to try to figure this out, but it does feel like there was some, some sort of subtle shift in the last couple of years, and Francis was probably part of that as well. It's going to be interesting to see where we go from here as the Republicans. I think we'll see what happens, but um, I think one of the things that's interesting about this election is they did better um, with uh, some African-American demographics and with some Hispanic demographics. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if that was just a one-time deal, if they can build on that. 
And and, you know, it seems like the parties are shifting a little bit where the Democratic Party's kind of becoming the party of, you know, Wall Street and the elites in some ways. And then the Republican Party seems to be shifting its message. And this is largely because I think because of the president's message about uh, working class issues and strong defense and, you know, sort of anti-immigrant. And so it'll be interesting to see if that moves at all or if we just this was just a one time deal. I think that 2024 is going to be a really interesting election because. It's, yeah. it's open on both sides. Do they run another, yeah. you know, Trump-style Republican, or do they go back to the middle for the Republicans? And who do the Democrats choose? Is Kamala Harris, or right. the, you know, does yeah. Biden run again? Right. There's so many questions for 2020, yeah. 2024. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, I don't think this is over. I think Trump's not going away either. <laughs> I think he's yeah, no, he said he's not going away. Yeah, so, you see know, what happened this but, week. But his health might keep him away, though. I mean, he's going to be 78 years old at you know yeah. in 2024, so we don't know where he's going to be. Health-wise. I know it's amazing. Suddenly, men in their 70s are like the prime guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I right. Know. Thanks so much i gotta run I, mean, I could probably talk about this all day uh so you know we should have you back on when you when you get your all your your, your your when your christmas comes late in march uh and you get the chance <laughs> to uh we'll go through the data one other time right thanks so much appreciate it thank right, you thank you don't worry everybody uh we're going to kind of continue this theme here with uh kent redfield he's going to come up in a couple minutes and talk about kind of bring it back home here a little bit talk about the money spent in illinois this is bob gilligan don't go away we'll be right back